0: Push the button. All
1: right. Are we ready?
2: Yes, I believe we are.
1: All right. <coughs> we'll see how long I can.
2: <laughs> well, clearly, some of us are ready, but you're not. Are we ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello.
1: <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Totally cool. Taking ship.
2: <laughs> okay. Now, are we ready?
1: Now, we're ready.
0: Live from a tuberculosis ward.
1: a guided cruise through Dumbest Timeline America, where sarcasm can get you subpoenaed. I'm Ellie Jacobs, back from visiting the front of the war on the seas in Cape Cod and managing to record this little podcast between yet more Jewish holidays in the fall. I'm joined once again by Maggie Moore, who is discovering Twitter isn't wonderful, and Frank Spring, a man who in the fall and early spring bleeds purple.
2: And as always, please be sure to leave us some comments and rate us, both positive and negative, on whatever podcasting platform listen to even though my ego is quite fragile uh, and our friendship will likely not survive the comments that you have we still want them um there are still t-shirts Sacrises to buy so please sacrifices must be made so you know whether it's with your wallet or with our friendship please support us um follow us on twitter at at taking ship and that ship with a p as in paradise you can follow me at maggie m012 Ellie jacobs at Allie jacobs and frank spring at, at frank spring Now, let's just dive right into the crazy, just like we're steering into the new cycle skid. Uh, The most prominent story this week, as I'm sure y'all have read, has been about Christine Blasey Ford coming forward with her story in the middle of the Kavanaugh confirmation process. Um, While these allegations, honestly, really aren't, um, honestly have been the funniest part of it. So I feel like that's really where I would like to start today. Um, Frank, I feel like you... Leveled us to the absolute craziest one. So tell us, what is the best take that we've seen so far?
0: So the the finest take, and and there have been so many takes, most of them awful. But but thank God, in these confused times, we are given one take of such uh, of such searing clarity, of such undeniable uh, uh, truth and vision that it that it it it, it, mu- it must speak its name. Uh, as loudly as possible, and we we have to we ha- we're bound to respect it. This take, of course, comes from uh, noted truth finder and explorer of forbidden mind zones, Ben Carson, uh, who parted the, uh, the, the the clouds and uh, and revealed the truth of what's happening here. Uh, uh, when he quote tied the sexual assault allegation against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh to a century old plot by socialists. That's right, friends. Carson says, at the Values Voters Summit in Washington, and also, friends, Ben Carson at the Values Voters Summit is always a hot ticket. You, you mean, it's truly it's, it's it's really historic performance. You've got to get in for these things. Carson said, if you really understand the big picture of what's going on, then what's going on with Kavanaugh will make perfectly good sense to you. There have been people in this country for a very long time, going all the way back to the Fabians, people who've wanted to fundamentally change this country. Yes, friends, it's the Fabians. We figured it out, the smoking gun, and the man behind the curtain is the Fabian Society. Yes, it's them. Uh, this particular right-wing canard has been around for a long time. Uh, since I've Actually, the mo- it is most famously part of Alex Jones's theory of the globalists, uh, was the Fabian Society, which is a, a technically socialist group uh, that was founded in 1884. That's, that's it's, con- it's an affiliate of the UK Labor Party. It's kind of Labor Party's think tank. And it's also a membership organization. That's what the Fabian Society is. It ha- there hasn't been an American there hasn't been an active American branch in a very long time. But that, that's what the Fabian Society is. Alex Jones and now Ben Carson uh, believe that um, this is sort of globalist cabal uh, that is running a, a, a series of, of conspiracies again out of out of a, a very pleasant building occupied by a bunch of very pleasant people uh, in Westminster. That's the theory at work here. So Ben Carson has cracked the case. Uh, it's the Fabians, friends, the Fabians, what done it?
1: We Seriously, don't deserve Ben Carson, even in dumbest, really even in dumbest timeline in America.
0: He yeah. just he takes it over and above, yeah. He's in like, every he's, sense of the word, we don't yeah. deserve Ben Carson, like as in, like, he's he's better than anything we could have asked for, and also we have done nothing to deserve this,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. the guy who, like, you know, you're at a bar with a bunch of people, and like somebody cracks a joke, and everybody else kind of plays off it for you know a minute or two, and then one guy at the end of the bar, like jumps in with a line that's just so stupendously stupid that it just kills the entire mood of
0: everything. That's Ben Carson. Yeah. yeah. That was Ben Carson in the Republican primary. And it's Ben Carson in this administration. Yep. Yeah.
2: Honestly, two things about this really stick out to me. Number one, who knew that Ben Carson knew who the Fabians were like, right. Shocker. Such that a good call.
1: He's right? listening but to Alec. He's listening to Alex Jones. I mean, that's. But even that's then
2: how- I don't really expect him to have that kind of memory recall. It's like, okay, buddy, good for you. Like, good reach, proud of you. Um, but the other is that this is, like, I understand that the, the knee-jerk reaction from Republicans or conservatives to not believe Leslie Ford's allegations, but, like, this is taking that denial to, like, like, atmospheric levels. Like, we're in the stratosphere. Like, they just launched themselves out into space. This one is so insane. So it's like, again, good job on the reach. Like, if you're going you're gonna to deny it, go hard.
0: Like, oh, ab- absolutely. why
2: not? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. No, that's real. If you're good, like if, if you are going to, because any idiot can, can say any number of the awful things that have been conventionally said about this, that it was someone else, that it was rough horseplay, whatever. But like only a very special kind of person would identify this as part of a centuries old socialist plot. This is the kind of ambitious conspiracy mongering that we need more of in this country. And Anybody got eyes on Sebastian Gorka? Gorka, oh, God. i feel like this is right up his alley yeah he's out he's outside the fabian society even now like cracking the case in his like mclovin stupid, vest
2: and a stupid accent yeah. <laughs> i hate listening to him talk it's so grating he sounds like that guy at the back of your mfa class where you're just like no
0: holy shit he really is, he is the he is the guy. Someone called uh, Dennis Schwartz. He is the guy in your MFA. It's actually, yeah. It was actually Gorka the whole time. Gorka, Yeah, holy Dana crap!
1: Said, no. So it perhaps Gorka is just doing like what was that movie that uh, um Joaquin Phoenix did a couple years ago, where he pretended to be like a lunatic for like three years, going on interviews oh. or whatever. I'm not here or something like that.
2: I Maybe think, there's. I think- I'm not here. Is the Bob Dylan movie, but I don't yeah, know if yeah, he yeah. was right. in that the was done, done. But I remember the thing you're talking about. Clearly yeah. it wasn't that good because no one gives a shit. All right. I remember is Joaquin Phoenix being a tool for three years.
1: Yeah, but maybe like this is just some actor who's just gone super deep. Like Sebastian Gorka is, can't possibly be a real person.
0: I actually think that, James Adom- that Sebastian Gorka is James Adomian and that James Adomian is doing an impersonation of himself playing this character. That it's the biggest piece of meta art we've seen in a long time. Is that like Green Day being a punk band
1: that's American but imitating Brits doing American punk or something? Yeah, don't don't passed. think about
0: it too hard. Being, yeah. no,
2: stop. I want to get off this ride.
0: I know it's <laughs> truly terri- it's truly terrifying. So let's talk a little bit about. I want to talk a little bit about the Fabian Society because uh, again, again, really channeling my inner Alex Jones here. Um, well, uh, I, feel, I feel like there? I feel like if Ben Carson brought it up, you should at least know what they are. That's true. Yes, exactly, and and also because they need to, this gives me a chance to bring up Alex Jones, and bringing up Alex Jones gives me the chance to remind everyone that he forgot the names of his own children in a custody hearing and blamed oh. having like eaten, chili. He blamed having eaten a large bowl of chili for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Who amongst us has not forgotten the names of the nearest and dearest people to us after a lunch of chili? And also, again, Alex, my dude, if you're having a custody hearing, why the hell are you eating a huge bowl of chili for lunch? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you, my
1: man? Maybe it's the one time you want to, like, just slow it down and have, like, a
0: spinach salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He
2: doesn't uh, eat plants. You know that no, that's he not he definitely true. doesn't
0: eat plants. That for sure feels like a grilled chicken sandwich kind of a day, but nope, <laughs> not this guy. All right, let's talk about the Fabians real fast because, again, so this, this group that Alex Jones and now Ben Carson – uh, believe are you know the central malefactors behind a long tradition of of well ordered deep conspiracies against the right and against the values they uphold. Uh, so, what is the Fabian Society? The Fabian Society uh, would again, right now, as it is, as it presently stands, an affiliate of the UK Labour Party, a membership organization, and really a, a think tank. Uh, so, it, the name uh, refers to the Fabian strategy from the Roman general Fabius. Who uh, was noted for, uh, who was particularly famous for pursuing a gradualist strategy of victory. So rather than seeking decisive battle, he would seek a series of progressive battles to weaken the enemy and ultimately overcome their position. So the Fabian idea is uh, it is a belief uh, that radical long term goals are best advanced through empirical, practical, gradual reform. Empirical, practical, gradual reform. So this is like a bunch of nonsense and hooey. Well, so that, right. I mean, this is this is. The, so the idea is, this group of people whose entire point is we shouldn't, we should not attempt radical reform. What we should instead attempt is a lot of very small reforms. Uh, is meant to be like this massive threat to democracy and progressivism. So let's talk about what these nefarious people are up to. Uh, what is the, what is the Fabian Society been doing? Well, they have uh, recently released this smoking gun of a report uh, about how labor the support for Labor Party has been rising in big cities for years, but has dropped in the most working class seats. Uh, you know, pretty shocking stuff, all I know. Uh, but let's also go. But let's hear more about these ra- these you know these the uh, the reforms that these dangerous radicals and conspiracists are up to. Why? Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we have here a report on. Uh, how Parliament itself could be reformed, attempting to reform the very instrument of British democracy. What are these radical proposals that you may ask these conspiracists are, are proposing? Uh, well, uh, how do they propose to uh, reform British Parliament? Well, they want to change the amount of time that MPs spend on votes, for example. Uh, there should be proxy voting for parents with newborn babies. This is radical stuff. Uh, introducing job descriptions for MPs. Well, we certainly can't have that. Uh, and uh, alternatives to exclusively Anglican prayers at the start of the parliamentary day. For example, a reflection led by different MPs in turn. Yes, uh, friends, uh, this is the kind of thing uh, that we absolutely can't have. And and finally, I actually want to close on this because this is this organization that is apparently uh, orchestrating conspiracies around the world. Ran a piece in the summer in their summer, the in their and their newspaper in their uh, the, the Fabian magazine in the summer of 2018 on The miserablest tendency within labor uh, Mark Perriman finds a new history of the labor left overlooks the art of the possible Yes, it is a review about a book uh, It was they are featuring a review on a book about how labor doesn't try to do anything These are the conspiracy theorists with a global, the conspiracy, uh, not the conspiracy theorists. These are the conspirators with a global reach, writing about how they don't try to do anything. So friends, Ben Carson has cracked the case. And for this, we have cause to be grateful.
2: And if anyone wants to see Fabian's strategy in action, I would drive your attention to season five, episode one of 30 Rock called- Holy crap, I was thinking the exact
0: same thing. There you go now, we're talking. Because I, I don't um,
2: give a real shit about reading about you know things in respectable journals. I want Tina Fey to explain it to me. So check yeah. out that episode; it's very good. Yeah, I mean, I'm
1: I'm honestly usually just happy that when these conspiracy mongers are talking about you know lunatic, deep seated, deep state, international conspiracies to undermine government, that like they're not just saying Jews. So. That's it make for it like, does make for That's a change. It does make for a change.
2: That someone just hasn't been like, well, mm, the Jews,
0: <laughs> friends, friends. I've got a theory. I know we've been trying to figure out about. It. I know we've been casting about for someone that we think is the center of this conspiracy. But, but I think I've reached a conclusion. Don't say it. No, no. Hear me out. I know you don't want to hear it. Go say it. Have you thought about the Jews? Yeah. Just
2: imagining like uh, a, a craps table, basically in a Republican, you know, consulting messaging place being like, all right, we're going to shake it for the Jews. And they <laughs> roll the dice and i like, whoa, double ones, baby. And all right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this round to you, day. Jews. That's somewhere in Ben Carson's brain. He's like, I'll get him next time. Yeah. So. I
1: also kind of feel like, maybe it's this thing where it, for some of the Trump administration, like the default is obviously Jews. So like they have to work so hard to not like have their brain click Jew. Mm. That they'll just say the most outlandish thing that pops in first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like
2: yeah. when they really feel like trying, you know?
1: Right. Like Betsy DeVos is it. gonna be up there and like she's gonna and in the back of her head, she's gonna be like, Don't say Jews, don't say Jews, don't say Jews. And then it's gonna be like the Duran Duran conspiracy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is precisely it. And then eventually she's gonna be like, okay, I got out of that one. And so you know, you know, and, and then yeah, she'll be asked for a follow-up and just be like, It's the Jews. Ah
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh boy did we learn
1: nothing from sean spicer
2: (laughs) i feel like we tried to do one nice thing they're like listen y'all it's the high holidays i think they deserve like a little bit of a break and people were like okay we'll give them this one
0: (laughs) that's exactly right (laughs) when are these holidays over when can we get back on this (laughs) So I'd get my comms director on the line. I've done it again. We're,
1: we're, we're running out of obscure 19th century British conspiracy theories. <laughs>
0: that's precisely it. No one could possibly believe that this group of bright, yeah. We've run out of groups of bright, uh, you know, ma, you know, ma, uh, mild-mannered, extremely earnest and dedicated British think, uh, thinkers to uh, to publicly malign and otherwise just uh, just degrade. Yeah. And none of us yeah. speak Spanish or French, so we got to go with British. <laughs> we, that's, that's, precisely, that's exactly it. That's precisely it. Oh man, we, we we tried running down Max Weber, but we just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so, friends, I think before we move on to something else, on uh, uh, we have we didn't want to spend a lot of time on Kavanaugh here because I don't think there's we we have necessarily a lot to add. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of ink and, and pixels spilled on this thing. I do want to very quickly direct uh, your attention to. A piece by Albert Bernico on Deadspin. Usually, when we talk about political stuff uh, that's been written on Deadspin, we tend to talk about David Roth, friend of the uh, friend of the show, David Roth, and former guest. Uh, and and we should. He's obviously a great writer and, and someone that I think has a a, a really powerful, if uh, if alarm and alarmingly accurate uh, I- insight into the way that Trump and Trumpists think, which I would argue is more of a curse than a gift. Uh, but there is also on the web uh, on Deadspin Albert Bernico. Bernico started as a food writer there. He now writes about basketball and politics. He wrote a piece on Friday that I highly encourage you all to read. Again, this is on Deadspin. It's Albert Bernico. The title is "Brett Kavanaugh is a man the right can get behind." Uh, he, I think, he's got one of the more accurate reads on this thing, and I encourage you all to read it.
1: Frank, you want to give like the 10 second summary of that because I actually think that the point he brings up is worth diving down. For just a minute or two,
0: okay. Uh, I, I actually, I can give you a couple of uh, a couple of essential quotes here. So <clears throat> this is the this is the real. This, he's Bernico is drawing a conclusion about what their continu- what the rights continued support for Brett Kavanaugh in light of the allegations. What that means. And and this basically sums it up. Any number, this is Bernico, any number of grub-like Yale jurist ghouls with diamond-edged 80s dad hair and uniformly right-wing ideas about constitutional law could get confirmed to fill the Supreme Court's vacant ninth seat. So that this is basically his theory is you that any of them that they could toss Kavanaugh overboard right now and replace him with someone exactly like him. But but that would not be enough. Back to Bernica now. But that would not be enough, he writes. It has to be this guy. It has to be this guy now more than ever. It has to be this guy now because he has been accused, credibly, of attempting to rape a, fi- rape a 15-year-old girl in 1982. Because, moreover, because people believe this should be considered a disqualifying blight on his record. The thing that must happen is that those people must be defeated. That is the whole point. What must be shown to the whole world is that this, even this, cannot stop him. Right, so that's Bernico's point. Read the whole thing. Yeah. It's it's good. It literally
1: boils down to uh, confirm Kavanaugh to own the libs. Yep. Yeah. Which grading SCOTUS to own the libs. I mean, if you think about like sort of the Republican Party right now, it's really just become the id of the Republican Party the last 20 years. Like mm-hmm. Donald Trump represents everything that they have been working towards for the last 20 years, except for free trade and, you know, various other things, but
0: but but, but the idea of it the way being, he
1: the way he speaks yeah. and yeah. the crowds that he that he gathers and his attacks on the media in particular, um, his attacks on immigrants, um, I mean, he he's just representative of what I would think any thinking human being would have seen as the end result of the direction that they were going in, even before Sarah Palin, but particularly Sarah Palin and the Tea Party.
0: Yeah, and, and the idea that this you're right about the, the trade thing being—I mean, he he differs a little bit on a few policy details because the president's brain is what it is. But even so, the idea of a foreign policy that was driven by spite and petty grievances 100 like you know in keeping with the last 20 years of Republican. Well, I mean, what was Democratic one George, George W. Bush is one of his reasons for attacking Hussein uh,
1: for attacking Iraq and, and, and Saddam Hussein after there was no WMD found. Or at some point during the, the 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 debate about it, he said he tried to kill my dad.
0: Right. Sure. (laughs) A lot of, a lot of people said a lot of dumb shit back then, not least him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But he's got Kavanaugh's back hundred percent apparently. So maybe all the folks who all of a sudden thought that, Oh, he's such a nice man. He just paints and putters around the house. Now will remember that. No, he was also representative of this trait of group of people who exist solely to turn the turn clocks back and prevent progress.
0: Yeah, and by a group of people, mean <laughs> group land. of men. Yeah, this is this group. This group of again, while we're talking about conspiracies, I've got I've got I've got a theory. I think hot, they, hot, hot take, hot take, mm-hmm. Surprisingly, it's not the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I think we've got some idea about the culprits here. They are it's, male and pale, the and they're quite stale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, with that in mind
1: of the current goings on of the GOPT, the grand old party of Trump, um, we thought it would be, um, worthwhile to revisit the idea of the blue wave and what exactly that means. We've been dabbling around this for the last couple of weeks. I think we've all, we've touched on it a couple of different times. Uh, we will have more in-depth conversations as we get closer to election day about specific races and we will lock in our calls like, you know, a latter day, Howie long and Terry Bradshaw, um, Jesus, just, Jesus, that sounds awful. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> want, I don't want to do that.
0: Why would anyone want to? I don't think?
1: want to do that. I don't, <laughs> so be I don't,
0: sure I, to listen to us be happy, long and Terry Bradshaw.
1: Yeah, I, I decided I don't want to do that. Um, but uh, uh, in the lead up to the election, I th- one thing that I, I think we've danced around a lot, but we should really dive into at some point when we're a little bit more prepared for it, is sort of what happens if the blue wave doesn't hit. Um, what happens to the Democratic Party? What happens to all the the um, the uh, um, motivation and the power and and the emotion and everything else that the left has right now? What happens if, whoops, it didn't really happen the way that we wanted to? Um, so, with sort of that in mind, we thought it would be worth talking about a couple different specific things this year that are this right this week that are um, blue wave related. Um, the first one, uh, just because it's been on my mind a lot is uh Texas Senate race. Um, people are obviously very, very excited about this one because it's a statistical tie right now, which I don't know that anybody would have seen coming three or four months ago. Um, and regardless of the outcome, Republicans are going to have to spend a shit ton of money to defend a seat that they thought was a gimme. So, um, Frank, Maggie, what are your cold, brutal takes on Beto? Yes, Sonia, I'm not pronouncing his name correctly and Cruz? Well,
2: first of all, I really do think you should get some partial credit for remembering someone's name. Um, I am very proud of you. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: I'm going to get a star.
2: Yeah. You're so special. Um, But yeah, I feel like what the one thing I've been noticing a lot, even though I did take a little bit of a break from Twitter this week, um, is that Beto is really clippable. Like he's very viral. He's a viral content making machine. Um, and what I think is so funny is that the cruise campaign is continuing, continuing the pattern that we've seen from other uh, conservatives about making what they think are attack ads that are basically just reiterating a liberal platform. So releasing some of the footage of Beto speaking at a church, um, just saying like, you know, we'll post this here and leave no comment. People are like, you're doing this as a attack ad um has been interesting to watch um
1: or I like, like the one where they had like his dui picture or something yeah. or some shot it like just boy. looks like a badass like well you just lost the entire female vote
2: and then with you remember um Samantha B would always play that clip of ted cruz in the crucible going why am i persecuted i think about that every single time that I see him and, and or a picture that they're trying to make fun of Beto work for.
1: There's just, um, there's that, uh, there was the, the gif that was going around where he tried to like kiss his kid and she moved completely out of the way.
2: Yes. Which God, I just,
1: that just that represents Ted Cruz it. perfectly.
2: Exactly. Um, there's also a, a clip running around of Beto uh, ordering Whataburger, like right after, if that's even how you pronounce it, I don't know, um, after a debate, which is great. Um, but I think the reason why for someone like me, it makes a lot of sense that Beto's going to win is because that's the kind of people that I follow on Twitter. And that's sort of, the, that's the echo chamber that I'm actually in. Uh, I don't live in Texas. So of course for someone like me, it seems really obvious that, um, you know, that Ted Cruz would go down or that we at least have a fighting chance. But like numbers wise, I don't know. There's a lot of Republicans in Texas. Frank, what do you think?
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I always look forward to talking about this, the, the great moral clash that's, that's, you know, played out in, in the great state of Texas, between the forces of of privilege and uh, wealth and and establishment power and and the and, and a kind of empty, valueless evangelism, versus uh, the you know the the right and proper champion of you know of the people and uh, and of the values that has made Texas great. And I am, of course, talking about Texas beating TCU. Yeah, hook them. Uh, and also, uh, Beto O'Rourke being shown to have some polling leads over over Ted Cruz. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, this. Uh, the thing that interests me about this is, Cruz is obviously rattled. Like that, to me, is really the dominant. That is the is the the uh, most salient phenomenon of the last two weeks has been that Cruz, look, Cruz is a smart is one of the smartest politicians from a strictly cunning perspective. He's one of the smartest politicians in the country. This is a can. This is a guy who. The more people see of he's someone who has the effect that the more people see of him, the less they like him because he is a deeply strange and troubling person. And yet, he finished second in a out of seventeen people in uh, in the GOP primary in twenty sixteen for president, and was was taken out by this kind of you know historic force boiling up out of the Republican id. I mean, if Donald Trump hadn't run, Ted Cruz would have won that thing on the basis of the fact that he ran an incredibly disciplined, incredibly thoughtful, incredibly canny campaign. He is an incredibly good campaigner. and There's he is a
2: something mon- that he's talking about that's speaking to people, absolutely. And
0: he, yeah, and Cruz is a monster of a fundraiser. He, like, the guy can just, like, raise money like, uh, so it's interesting, like, this is someone that people, the more people spend time around him, I know I said it, but it's worth saying again, the less they like him, and yet he has, yet he is a, a I mean, a, a demonstrably an incredis- incredibly successful politician. So it is weird to me to see his campaign doing, the, you know, pulling off these un, pulling these unforced errors, uh, being guilty of unforced errors like, uh, you know, what would seem to us to be unforced errors like highlighting the fact that Beto O'Rourke is cool as hell, or or attack lines that seem pretty that seem generationally strange and pretty weak tea, like oh, like you know, Beto, the thing about how if Beto's elected, uh, you know, it'll be like Silicon Valley, there'll be tofu and hair dye, so right. like, and well. Right, Lisa like, said something
2: about how like barbecue will be illegal.
0: This is the one that I want to come because that one, this is my favorite one, actually, because if Beto's right elected, he'll make barbecue illegal reveals a couple of things first. Uh, you do you, I mean, that is it's almost literally red meat for your base. Uh, you're you're doing them, you do that kind of thing. I mean, you're in like you're ingrouping yourself with Texans who like barbecue. You're trying to outgroup Beto as being something else culturally, is not Texan, he doesn't believe in barbecue, which of course is totally ridiculous. But this tell, but what this basically what this suggests to me is Cruz is soft in his own base. He is desperate to shore. He is desperate to shore them up to get them fired up to make them feel like Beto O'Rourke is a threat to everything they hold dear, uh, and they might very reasonably hold uh, hold Texas barbecue dear, you know, dearer than just about anything else. That would be a perfectly defensible position. So I think Cruz is. Cruz is rattled. He's not going for a persuasion universe. He often tries to, I mean, he's not someone that has a big persuasion universe, but he has tried to in the past. He won his first Senate race by cutting into potential Democrats, potential independents and and some potential wavering Democrats. Uh, Now he's just just turning out his own people. And I think what we're seeing here is there there are two things for that. First, I I suspect that the rash of polling that has shown the race effectively too close to call, some have Beto up, some have Cruz up. Uh, but I suspect that that reveals the, the fear for him, which is really the only thing that can beat Ted, the only thing that could cause Ted Cruz to be beaten, is a highly energized Democratic base and a deeply, uh, a deeply disaffected Republican base. If they just decide, if the Republicans just decide, screw it, we're not, we're not turning up this time, that's really what it would take because, and, and this is a point that Ellie has made elegantly in many times. And and it is an empirical truth. There are more Republicans in Texas than there are Democrats. It's just a much much friendlier field for Republicans. If their base turns out in numbers, they win. It's as simple as that. Uh, But I think his concern is his base isn't going to turn out, and that's how really weird stuff happens.
1: Right, and you know the empirical truth is um, anybody who's friends with me on Facebook or has seen me rant at various other places is just there's a straight mathematical equation that. 1,543,674 million five hundred forty three thousand six hundred seventy four people voted for Ted Cruz and the other Republican candidates in during the primary and one million thirty seven thousand seven hundred seventy nine voted for Badoor work and the other Democrats, which is a gap of five hundred and five thousand eight hundred and ninety five. So the be- easiest way to conquer that is to get more people to come out and vote um, The question being is are there half a million more Democrats? To come out to vote, or will half a million Republicans stay home
0: because Ted Cruz is a jerk? number show off. Yeah, right. And, and look at you bringing your data into this. This is not, this, this is for, not a data <laughs> podcast. You know, Hear me earlier ranting about Texas foot about uh, college football in Texas. This is not for the rational, my friend. No, this is. Um, those obviously primary turnout doesn't correlate directly to general election turnout but the point that you're raising is 100% salient here there are again it goes back to the truth of this there are more republicans in texas than there are democrats something needs to happen to uh, to generate to drive up democratic turnout and significantly drive down republican turnout It looks like a really steep hill to climb, but the reason that this comes up in the context of what happens if the blue blue wave doesn't materialize, I think based on the data we're seeing, it's pretty clear that there will be a blue wave of some kind. The question is at scale. What happens in Texas if the blue wave doesn't quite get up to where it needs to in order to elect Beto O'Rourke? everything depends on how on how close this election is because what we've seen before as we've talked about the blueing of Texas and you know the idea you know years ago that back in 2014 that Wendy Davis might be able to be elected governor
2: uh, I remember that
0: Yeah right we've seen we've seen this we've seen some oh, oh, was this 2014 movie that feels like a decade ago I know yeah, no, exactly. yeah this wow. any the, the period of between 2015 and 2018 is about 30 years long Yes um, so uh, you know this the, the the idea there have been you know, a few statewide since the idea of being like, we're going to get it back this time, return to the glory days of Anne Richards, uh, the sainted there was talk Richards, the la- the last Hillary godly woman, woman, I might add. Uh, there was know. talk
1: Hillary was going to win Texas, that whole idea that she was going to win Texas, Arizona and Georgia.
0: Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the idea that like, you know, with, with organizing that Obama might be able to pull it, right? Like there's, there's been this stuff that like, mm. that we're, the blue Texas is coming. And I don't think that's wrong. But the but the problem that happens is when you declare like this is the election in which blue Texas happens, and then you get beaten by like fifteen points, it has a tendency okay. to make people think that you are that this is you know that their intensity and their energy, uh, is you know it's good money after bad. If Beto is able to keep this to within five points or so that's going to be the fu- the validation that I think the te- that the left in Texas really needs. This is a doable, like this is doable. It's, this thing is actually happening. You can't keep up this level of energy and this level of focus without some degree of reinforcement. You just can't.
1: Yeah. But um, it also, yeah. It'll, it'll also but you know, what, it doesn't
0: off. have to be a win. It just has to be close. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the, some of the com- competitive
1: congressional races play out um, herds um, Joe Copsper um, in the Texas suburbs. There's a bunch of seats that could very well flip and, if they flip, it's good for Beto, obviously. If Beto wins, it's good for them. You know, there's a corollary there, so um, it's going to it's a it's a turnout game, obviously.
2: Well, I'm also wondering then how many Republicans actually come out to vote for Cruz if people don't like him as much as we think that they don't, um, but they don't necessarily care about Beto. They don't like Beto either. They maybe just don't vote at all.
0: And then I think is probably what that's what this barbecue shit is about. Right. Like, I mean, that is that I I suspect that what's happening is that Cruz and his people are looking at this and seeing that their base numbers are soft, that they've got people who are like, if they vote, they will for sure vote Cruz, but they're disgusted and disenchanted with the Republican Party. This is not what they signed up for. Uh, and 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 and, you know, and sadly in many cases amongst texas republicans This is exactly what they signed up for but there's gonna be you know Some reasonable percentage of people that this is th- this is not where they're at and and those people may not be May not be motivated to turn up at all uh, that happens and the thing is that usually happens to democrats uh, But this may be the year that it happens to republicans. There's certainly a good argument to be made for that We shall see what happens um, what
1: else do we want to touch on for the blue wave update
2: so in a race that is not close at all. Um, I want to draw everyone's attention to, as I'm sure people have seen the ad by now, um, to the Arizona 4th, uh, where Paul Gosar um, is running, um, is the incumbent and is running in his uh, Republican seat. So um, on Twitter, for the past couple days, I've seen this ad going around, which some have called the most brutal political ad they've ever seen in which six of his siblings, six, band together to basically endorse his opponent, which is incredible. There is footage of all of them uh, essentially saying what a danger their brother is to the Arizona 4th. Um, and that's the whole ad is just clips of his siblings, um, talking about the worry that they have, uh, and the platform that their brother takes, which is insane. He's actually an insane person. Um, his win percentage, according likelihood, according to 538 is 99%. So I don't really think that this ad is going to do that much, but it's, in, it's very good. It's a good ad. It's incredibly funny. Um, it's also akin to—I'm going to I'm gonna forget whose race it actually was—but um, uh, a man uh, running as a Republican, probably like a Donald Trump Republican, whose parents donated the maximum that they could to his Democratic opponent. Um, so I love nothing more than family turning against family.
1: And didn't um, so the they- uh, didn't the candidate then say that his siblings were Stalinist or something? Didn't he had some?
0: That's
2: Gossers. good as hell. <laughs> Gossers from Arizona.
1: Yeah. there He had yeah. some response to it.
2: He had some response that was like, you know, everyone's family sort of has that, like, everyone's family disagrees. Everyone's family has that crazy uncle that they don't invite to Thanksgiving. And one of the replies was, yo, all of your siblings hate you. You are the crazy uncle, not them. Like, if you are looking around the room and you're looking for the crazy uncle and you don't think that you have one, I think it might be you.
0: Yeah. So did he call his own, his own sibling Stalinist? Because I really I, want for that to have happened. I'm looking for it. It's really important to me that he did that.
2: Do you Jeez. think he did it from his congressional account or from his personal account?
0: Issued a statement through his press secretary. <laughs> My siblings are Stalinists. <laughs> So, oh I, my god I've oh, uh, my here stuff. it is here it is here it is Here it is. I found it
1: um GOP, GOP representative says quote Stalin would be proud of siblings who attacked him in ad
0: oh. hell yeah somehow that's even better oh. I love this dearly oh man this is the oh, here's here's the actual America here's the actual tweet. here's yeah. the
1: actual tweet from yesterday at 2 24 p.m uh yesterday being Saturday the 22nd Paul Gosser on his official Twitter account my siblings who chose to film ads against me are all liberal Democrats who hate President Trump yes He's these disgruntled Correct. Hillary supporters are related by blood to me, but like leftists everywhere, they put political ideology before family. Stalin would be proud. MAGA 2018.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. That is Ooh. the hottest goddamn take I've heard in a long time, and I'm bound to respect it. Yeah. Right. A ben Carson my eyebrows record. have been burned off. <laughs> yeah, my, the, my, my, my glasses are. are the whole family of Cozars are Fabians. Oh, my God.
2: Yes, that is. I mean, that's spicy. You, you can't pick your family is a follow up tweet to this. You can't pick your family. We all have crazy aunts and relatives, etc. Also crazy aunts and relatives like don't sing a lot of women. It's always crazy uncle. Uh, and my family is no different. I hope they find peace in their hearts and let go of all the hate um, to the six angry Democrat go. See you at mom and dad's house. Oh, my God. Yikes. Yeah. So I've been enjoying watching him implode. Um, but in in all seriousness, I think it's a, a really creative take on an ad. Um, it's really simply done. Uh, it's all of the siblings together with their job titles underneath. So it's like, doctor, engineer, like... Proof that, you know, these people are, you know, qualified individuals. And there was the was one odd
1: speak. one. Uh, I think he was the one. Private speaker,
2: investigator. Private
1: investigator speaking, like, in the end zone of a football stadium. Yeah, like,
2: That's I'm like, you are are you an like, investigator I'm for the too. football team? It's like, I guess they're trying to, like, root it in the community. Like, yeah. I don't know whose football stadium that actually was, but it kind of makes sense. But I was like, oh, he's a coach. And it was like, private investigator. Yeah. It's like, sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was a well-done ad in, in most – often cases, I really hate political ads. So this one was.
1: Yeah, We, we are truly living through a, a re- revolution in democratic political ad making, um, which has been pretty wonderful to watch. A lot of it has been Mark Putnam, obviously, and his team. They've been just been doing remarkable, remarkable stuff. Mm-hmm. Partially because people are finally like just breaking out of the mold and realizing you got to make stuff that is interesting.
2: Shocker. Yeah, make an ad that people want to share. And that they aren't doing some of the better ones that now that I've seen aren't very cloying, like they, they're not cloying to be viral using scare quotes there. Um, trying to, you know, make a video like the youth do it. How do you do fellow kids? Um, so the ones that we've seen are just more strictly towards good, compelling narrative. Um, so I appreciate that.
1: That was an awesome second reference to 30 rock in
0: one episode of take.
2: I'm going to try to cram in as many as I can, baby.
0: We can get a third, but I mean, we're rounding out the episode here, but we can get in a third before it's over, I'm convinced.
2: Oh, believe me. My mind is a steel trap of pop culture nuggets. So (laughs) bring them out whenever I want.
0: All right. So
1: um, should we keep going to give that opportunity a chance or should we head out? Mm, I mean, I
2: can shoehorn it in whenever, so...
0: All right, let's let's all
1: let's right, close uh, this thing out. Good yeah, luck, Mags. This yeah, that, that gauntlet way. has been thrown. All right, <laughs> mm-hmm. all right. Well, great to be back with you guys after a couple of weeks away. Uh, everyone should please be sure to visit our website, takingship.com, Buy some t shirts. Uh, you can also find links to all the different places that the podcast is is uh, currently being uh, sent out on. Please subscribe and rate us um, on whatever platform you you use. Particularly iTunes. We're very curious uh, to see our actual iTunes numbers. Um, also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at Taking Ship. Uh, you can follow Frank at Frank Spring, me at Ellie Jacobs, and Maggie at Maggie M012. Uh, Maggie hasn't popped in with a 30 Rock reference. So, Frank, now no, that we I are. Have. I have one. Okay.
2: If I may lead us into where we're about to go this week, Do I it. would ask all of you in this coming week to live every week like it's Shark Week. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah, yes. Where are we headed this week? I'm so excited for that. That (laughs) is excellent. And it leads perfectly, perfectly. Nailed it, Mags, nailed it. I'm very good. And it leads perfect. Where where are we taking ship to? Friends, Uh, well, we're taking ship uh, for, we're taking ship uh, for about 1,200 nautical miles east of Hawaii, which sounds great until uh, you realize um, that uh, scientists recently have discovered an area there that they have dubbed the White Shark Cafe. Uh, This is a place where white sharks congregate, great white sharks congregate in huge numbers uh, because apparently there's a a, a lot of various food forms that to this area and white sharks naturally gather to feast and revel in this place. Uh, I have two things to say about the the White Shark Cafe. Uh, First, fire up the nuclear submarines. We know where we have to go. And secondly, I feel like a great white shark cafe is potentially a business this opportunity on the model of perhaps a cat cafe, uh, in which uh, you could come in and uh, get it, get some coffee and also uh, cuddle with a great white shark. Uh, if so you know, uh, you know, investors, our lines are open. Uh, friends, this week we take ship to the great white shark cafe. Take care, everybody.
2: Thank you.